0: Got there since the day she died I've never been too good at long so
1: write me one good song and dry my sister's eyes and bury me in when I welcome die. to we the People podcast presented by Union fan TV and sponsored by Slate of Hand Barbers. Uh, Slate of Hand Barbers, conveniently located in Scenic Prospect Park PA uh, get five dollars off your next service at Slate of hand when you mention, this podcast to John the Barber. Again, that's Sladehan Barbers in Prospect Park. And also, thank you to Dave House. Um, you might have heard the new music. It's a new season of We the People podcast. So, of course, we had to come out with a bang. We had to start with some new tunes. Um, John, how you doing? Episode 1, 2018 season.
0: I'm doing pretty well. It's a new season. We got a new episode and a new banger to kick it off. And we hopefully have a new and improved union team to take us to the promised land.
1: It looks uh, a decent start, um, by all means. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, the Union are 1-1-0 and to, to start the season. I think I got that backwards. They have a win. They have a draw. The latest being a nil-nil draw against the crew. So first, you were not at the match.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't be at the match, and I had to find a means to stream the game, and that was goddamn impossible. Like So the first thing I tried was just MLS Live. Okay. And I couldn't get that to work. So then I tried going through my cable provider. So I signed in on my laptop and I went to uh, I think it's like my PH17 now, or the new broadcasters of it. Or no, it was on 6ABC. I go to 6ABC and I couldn't get the game to stream there. It just nothing would come up. And then I start going through less than legal means of streaming the game, and all of them had the same problem, where it was either just not a stream, or it was the um, the famous MLS Live. Your broadcast will start soon, page. And I think it was around like the 37, 38, 39th minute, really late in the first half, that the game finally came on it was such a pain in the butt to stream and like I'm in the comments of the streams with everybody else being like this is ridiculous how is it 2018 and we are unable to broadcast this game apparently something went wrong where they because they had to switch their channel or something they couldn't get it to work but my understanding is that pretty much nobody was able to watch the game unless you were in the stadium which fortunately Jason you were
1: (laughs) well I, I gotta say first. Uh, subpar MLS streaming bringing fans together gotta love it
0: well some crew fans thought it was a conspiracy they thought that the league was actively trying to shut down viewers from their game because even the people in Columbus were unable to stream the game as well because they get the footage from of course the people in Philadelphia so I don't know maybe some fishy Backroom things were going on. I don't want to <laughs> throw names under the bus, but
1: hashtag save the crew. Save the crew. Uh, we had to get that in there. Uh, it wouldn't be a proper uh, MLS podcast if we didn't uh, mention our support, and We the People podcast is fully behind uh, crew fans trying to keep the Columbus crew in, in Columbus because, you know, at the end of the day, this could happen to any of us. So save the crew. Uh, but you're right, I was at the game. I'll tell you what, you didn't miss much in the first thirty five, forty minutes, really the first half, really the full game in terms of in terms of end to end stuff in terms of action, this game really didn't have too much. You know it was it wasn't a bad performance by other team. I think the union did pretty well in possession. It was another game where the defense looked pretty you know pretty solid considering the youth in the back with austin trusty next to jack elliott and also keegan rosenberg who's still pretty youthful at just 24. but in terms of the attack neither side really had much going forward uh and i think nil-nil was a was a fair result when you look back at that game
0: yeah i was able to watch maybe the last 25 minutes of the game unfortunately i didn't get to watch as much as a game as i wanted and at first, I was kind of annoyed that it ended with a 0-0 draw. I didn't watch most of the game because of technical difficulties. And I didn't really know the full story, but I'm like, you got to win at home. But then I kind of molded over my head and I was thinking, you know, we have a young team. We have a young backline that hasn't conceded a goal in two games against a good Columbus team. Columbus was 2-0 going into this game. Zardes had been hot, having three goals in his first two matches with the crew. I mean, it's a good team to shut down. You want to win at home, but Columbus last year was in the conference semifinals. I wouldn't be surprised if when we're looking back at our points and we look back at our schedule towards the end of the season as we're maybe making a playoff push, we look at that and say, well, you know, that was probably a good draw.
1: Yeah, and and again, I think it was a fair result uh, for both teams. I think you look at the crew, they have a lot of new faces this year. It's a much different-looking Columbus outfit. Than the team that made the conference semifinal last year, but at the end of the day, they're well coached. They have some really, really good players, and you you mentioned Guyasuta. He's been so hot to start the season, and credit to Austin Trusty, who who really did well to to shut him down on the day. And I think that just speaks volumes about how good Austin Trusty is, and and how much faith. Jim oh, I'm
0: ex- so excited for Trusty. Yeah i was i, I pointed Trusty out to my dad at the beginning of the uh the new england game I'm like that's Austin awesome. Trusty. he's had a bit of time with the use nat- national team he's really big he's really quick i think he's going to be good he's going to have a lot of potential and he shined against new england he did. i know we didn't get a chance to talk about new england on the podcast but he had some really good moments and there were times when he was caught off guard and was able to recover and break down plays and He is a big reason why we haven't given up a goal in two games. Not to mention Jack Elliott seems to be off to a strong start as well. It seems as though, thankfully, the sophomore slump hasn't hit him. That was one of my biggest concerns this season. But it looks like that is water under the bridge. I'm glad
1: you mentioned Jack Elliott as well. Second straight week he's been named MLS Team of the Week. I want to make one more final comment about Austin Trussie as well as Jack Elliott. And when you look back at these last two games, obviously New England playing up two men. Um, it's kind of a given that we should get a shutout in that game. We were up to uh, a man at least for 65-plus minutes, and from then on after, we were up two. But when you look back at those two games, Jack Elliott's name and Austin Trusty's name, you, you didn't hear their names very often called in that game. And that's a good thing if you're a defender because that means you're not making mistakes. You're being sound in the back. And ultimately, that's why the union have two shutouts to start the season, which is only the second time uh, in their history that they've uh, started uh, that well. Um, So I just wanted to make that comment right there. That that was my observation um, that it's good that we're not hearing too much of Austin trustee, even though and Jack Elliott as well, even though they've played so well.
0: Mm-hmm. it also should be mentioned that Rosenberry is doing pretty good funny story I actually had a dream the night before the game this that is hot Rosenberry take two, everyone was... yeah this is hot take number two I had a dream the night before the game that Rosenberry was benched for Gaddis and in this dream I was furious <laughs> I was really upset about this and then I woke up and I'm like <laughs> It's just a dream. I'm not even making this up. This, like, happened in a dream, and I remember, like, ranting about it in the dream. But he's had two good games in a row as exactly. well. Yep. We have this young defense, but it seems to be shining. I also want to quickly mention the offense as okay. well. Like, the offense, people said, didn't really produce as much as we'd like. But you got to remember that it was Doshikal's first game with the team. And very rarely do these DP signings make an immediate impact on the team. It took Barnetta a little while to get warmed up to the team. It took Bedoya a little bit of time to get warmed up to the team. Now, hopefully, we don't have to wait a whole season for Doshkal to get ready. But give him some time. He has to learn how the rest of the offense plays. And the rest of the offense also has to learn to play according to his skill set as well. So it may have only been his first game, and we may not have had the production we like to see, but I think this is something that will develop over time as they build up chemistry. I wouldn't read too far into it, not to mention Columbus has a good defense as well. Right, and... I mean, they 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 beat Toronto 2-0 in Toronto.
1: That was a huge win for them. I mean,
0: it's it's pretty hard to shut down Javinko and door and, um, well, I guess Vasquez, I believe, was injured at the time. But, like, they were able to shut down Toronto, so of course they're going to shut down Philly's lethargic offense. Of course,
1: well... You know, I do think that Columbus is one of the best teams in the East this year. I think they're going to have a very good season. Uh, Again, they're well coached. But I'm glad you mentioned both, you know, Boric Darshkal and Trenkio Barnetta because I see a lot of similarities in their playing styles. And Barnetta, you know, we mentioned it in a podcast that we recorded, I think, two or three months ago. Um, But it took him some time to get used to MLS, to get used to uh, his teammates. And I think it's going to be the exact same case. Uh, For Doge Kyle. And, you know, he didn't look bad on Saturday. He looked like a player that is still trying to figure out the playing styles of of the players around him and also get used to the speed of play of the league. Because, you know, coming from China, where I think the quality is a little lesser, I think it's safe to say it's going to take him some time to get caught up to the speed. But the good thing is, China is on the same schedule as MLS. So I don't think we'll have to wait too long.
0: No, but have you listened to his interview?
1: I did. I was so I was I was in the in the post game uh, press conference, and you know he he did mention you know he wasn't phased by the physicality of MLS. He's seen it before, uh, in other leagues. He's played in you know the Champions League. He's played in Europa League. I think the biggest thing, and talking to Paul Catrino of uh, Sports Talk Philly, he he talked to Fabian Herbers after the game, and and Herbers you know mentioned that it's a chemistry thing. You know they they're trying to gel with. Josh Kyle, get used to his playing style and and vice versa. So I, I don't think fans should be too worried.
0: No, and one of the things I know he mentioned in his press conference was that the team's speed, especially a comms speed, yeah. I think after seeing it in game, he realized how quick he can be on the ball. And he said he wasn't able to show his abilities and that he can definitely use a comms speed better. So I think you're seeing him develop and he's expressing that in his pros game. Where he's saying, "Okay, I realize that uh, a com has the speed. I'm gonna better take advantage of that when we play Colorado. Absolutely. So it's gonna take time, but he recognizes what this team has in terms of potential, and that is speed. Just wait till we get Fafa, oh, and he man. can use both wings. That's gonna be difficult for a defense to cover when he can play either side of the ball.
1: One more game. He has he has one le- uh, one game left to to serve that suspension, which <laughs> we still really don't know the details about.
0: Yeah, I was really caught off guard by that
1: yeah, apparently he used some foul language
0: from my understanding he's a homophobic slur and um it was against i guess against they had a friendly against orlando right. i didn't even remember that it wasn't one of the ones that was a part of the world famous suncoast oh, of invitational course. and this was i guess just a, a closed friendly yeah, i it forgot was a, it was a closed about door friendly. It did happen
1: uh, and how could we also get through another podcast without mentioning the infamous suncoast invitational tournament
0: yeah, not only is this podcast brought to you by <laughs> a Slate of Hand Barbers, it's also brought to you by the Suncoast Invitational and scenic Clearwater, Florida.
1: Of course. All right, here we go again, going down the rabbit hole. But I want to jump around. We have the show notes, so we want to talk about the Fabinho injury. We don't have much news at this time. Uh, it was reported that he had a leg, leg injury, excuse me, and he came off at halftime. Uh, Ray Gatta subbed in for him. Uh, we don't really know much at this time, but... We wanted to talk about the possibility of another homegrown player filling in for Fabinho next game.
0: I want to ask you, though, my understanding of the injury is that it wasn't a specific play. It was something that happened over halftime, right? Yes. Okay, so we don't know exactly how it happened. I know we don't know. They haven't said anything. The team hasn't given us a time frame. They haven't also specified the injury other than a leg injury, and we know that Gattis came in. But, yeah, this does open up the door for Matt Real to uh, get some first-team minutes.
1: Which I think if you're any Philadelphia Union fan, this is something you want to see because so far we're 2-for-2 this season. I shouldn't say we, but the Philadelphia Union in terms of playing the kids with Anthony Fontana scoring on his debut and Austin Trusty contributing to two shutouts, why not try to incorporate one more homegrown player into the starting lineup?
0: I if would love Fabinho to Fabinho is
1: in fact still injured.
0: I thought he looked pretty good in preseason. I know he's been playing well with the steel. The way I see the Union doing this is basically swapping Real in for Fabinho. Now I think the reason Real wasn't in the game day lineup is because they basically put they put Gattis in there, and Gattis has the ability to play left back or right back. Sure. So he's more versatile, and that makes him better to come off the bench in case you need him because you never know whether or not it'll be Keegan or it'll be Fabinho who gets hurt. But in this instance, what you can do is put Real in for Fabinho like a straight swap, keep Gaddis on the bench, and then he's there to fill in on whichever side you need him. Where if you put Gaddis in for Fabinho, Real might not be as comfortable filling in for Keegan if he needed to as opposed to filling in for Gattis.
1: Exactly, and and you mentioned the versatility of Gattis, but also, Ray Gattis is one person. Ray Gattis is Ray Gattis. So if Ray Gattis gets hurt, who's your right back? Or I'm sorry, who's your you know your replacement for Keegan Rosenberg? And as you mentioned, Matt Riel isn't as comfortable uh, playing both positions, but another good young player who's currently away with the USU20 national team. So I think well that's something fans should definitely keep an eye out. Uh, Colorado next week. We'll keep fans updated on the injury of Fabinho. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at PFDaily underscore or uh, JohnnyJ25 or JasonPFD, and we'll try to, to monitor that and get some more information soon. In terms of new information, the union have a new minority owner, as we learned last week.
0: Yes, so this is pretty big for the team. I know a lot of people complain about the ownership of this team, and more owners is good for this team because this means more money and more investments are going to be coming in. Now, it seems as though there was already a minority owner who kind of like to stay in the background. He wasn't publicly a owner of the team, and he has since reduced his investment. I believe he's still on board. He's just reducing it. And since then, a new guy, Richard uh, Livovich, who wants to be more public and be a face in this team's ownership, is now filling in. and then In addition yeah. to that, I think we're also getting additional investment from uh, Richie Graham, who has mainly been contributing to the academy, which has been paying off so far.
1: I think any addition to the front office is a good thing. Because, as fans know, Jay Sugarman, he doesn't like to be in the spotlight. Uh, he's not very vocal uh, in terms of his commitment to the club. I think he is a good owner. Don't get me wrong. I think he is committed... Him and his family are committed to the Philadelphia Union. They are Philadelphia Union fans. But at the same time, you want as many people as possible who know the game, who are invested in the club, as, as well as growing the game in the country as well. And from what I've read personally about, um, sorry if I butchered this name, but Richard Leibovich is he is someone who is very invested in, Uh, In the league, first and foremost, and then as also the union. According to Jay Sugarman, Labovitch has spent a long time studying the league, and also studying the union. Mm -hmm. So, this could be very beneficial for you know corporate relationships, and also uh, growing the club in the long term as well.
0: And he's not just a nobody. He is somebody who has spent a bit of time in the background too. It even has been mentioned that he was at David Akam's fan welcome when he flew into Philadelphia. He was. So while he hasn't been a part of the team formally, it's my understanding that I guess for the past year or so, he has been behind the scenes, and I'm sure in talks with Sugarman. Now it's official. Definitely. Which is good for it the team. It is this now is, official. This is going to be good for the team. We don't know how much he's going to be contributing, whether or not he will actually bring money into sign players, whether or not he's going to be focusing more in the academy or where that money would be going, but any money is good money in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. And you mentioned the other uh, minority owner at this time, Richie Graham, uh, who, of course, owns YSC, uh, which is the home of Philadelphia Union Youth and the Academy. Let's talk about the Academy, because you passed this article along to me during class today, uh, which I thought was really interesting. Would you like to talk about it?
0: Yeah, so this is fascinating. Basically, Toodle Ramen on Twitter graphed every MLS team on the y-axis. You have percentage of minutes given given to designated players, and then you have percentage of minutes given to academy players of that club. As you would expect, teams like Toronto FC, Columbus, NYC, are at the top in terms of average minutes given to designated players. So, 25% of all of um, Toronto's minutes go to designated players. Meanwhile, teams like New York find themselves on the opposite end of the spectrum, where only about 10% of all minutes go to designated players, 35% go to players who came from their academy. Coming in second on that list is the Philadelphia Union, sitting at around 22.5%, and behind them is New England, and then Salt Lake, and then the Whitecaps. Those are the top five teams in terms of minutes by academy players. And this kind of goes to the notion, if this season is the year of Play the Kids, the numbers are lining up with that. And New York kind of proves itself to be a model of where the union could be, which is why I really like this graph.
1: I thought this graph was so interesting. And when you sent it to me, of course, you know, I went down the rabbit hole. I got a little sidetracked during class because it was interesting. I think if you were to do the same graph, which, by the way, People who have this much time on their hands, I appreciate you uh, because oh, so much. This it, it's so great to see um, these things kind of visualized and mm-hmm. put into more graphical form because it really does speak volumes about clubs and 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 where they're at. And in terms of the union, it just goes to show that the ownership is putting their money where their mouth is this season.
0: It shows you so much too about just roster building. Like the ownership of putting your money where your mouth is. When you think about it, in terms of homegrown player, man, it's really just been Trusty and Fontana. But that's more than most teams. Most teams: New yeah. York, the Galaxy, Houston, Colorado. I would. I'm going to leave Minnesota off the list because they haven't had time to develop their own academy players. Sure. Orlando. I'm also ignoring LAFC. They are less than five percent. DC United as well. I mean. They're not using Academy players at all. Union are sitting there at 25%. Now, I do find it interesting they're below the DP average. This makes sense because they've only ever had two DPs on the team, and last year, Marisa Dew was hurt. What I'm actually not sure about is whether or not these numbers... I guess this is based on Week 3 numbers. Yes. Okay, so last year with the Dew doesn't matter, but we only really do have two DPs on the field compared to some teams with three.
1: Right. Um, but I, I also think it speaks volumes to where the league's headed because you see so many uh, teams now have young designated players. LAFC and Atlanta United are, are two of the clubs that come to mind. But who would have thought? You know, obviously, let's not kid ourselves. We know that the town is there in the Philadelphia region, we know the town's there in New Jersey and New York with the Red Bulls. But. You know, just a few years ago, New York was the club that was employing so many big-name DPs, Thierry Henry, Mm -hmm. uh, Juan Pablo Angel, so uh, very interesting to see.
0: Well, when I read this, I immediately went to see what the team payrolls for 2017 were. The minutes from those teams and their payrolls aren't based on this graph, but New York has been getting younger over the years. Now, when when you look at last year's payrolls, the Philadelphia Union put up about $7 million for their team while New York was around $6.8 Philadelphia spent $300,000 more. Meanwhile, New York has more DPs on the field and has also been more successful. They haven't been as successful in league play so far, but they're doing incredibly well in the CONCACAF Champions League right now, going against some of North America's best with their own designated players. They had seven designated sure. players on the... Or they had seven academy players on the field against... Um, Who did they play against? Was it... uh, Juana. Yeah. They had seven academy players. We talk about the union needing to spend money to succeed in this league, and when you look at the graph, it shows that. like You have some of the top teams, such as New York, Toronto, Columbus, Portland, and Atlanta in that corner of the graph, but New York stands on an island in its own that I think could show as a roadmap for Philadelphia where we can be successful without putting up a lot of money and having a good academy.
1: Sure, and... You know, for people who are saying we need to buy more experienced players, uh, we need to buy players from outside the league, you know, again, as this shows, as the New York Red Bulls have showed in the CONCACAF Champions League, you can go against some of North America's best and be playing your youth. I think it just bodes well also to where we are in terms of U.S. soccer. Uh, We are finally producing young American players in our academies that are comparable to players from elsewhere around North America at the very least
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is good for the future because obviously uh, we won't be playing in the World Cup this upcoming summer so this this does speaks to the future of U.S. soccer I do worry sometimes that we don't put enough trust in our young American players and we don't play them enough but When you see a team like the New York Red Bulls, and I hate, it pains me to say this on a Philadelphia specific podcast, a Philadelphia Union podcast. I hate to praise New York. But you have to. Um, You know, they're doing what I think a lot of MLS clubs should follow soon if we want to grow the game in in the United States. Definitely.
0: And it also just goes to show there's multiple ways to build a roster. Like, it's not about just shelling out a lot of money you have to hit roster building at multiple levels where you have to have those good solid Academy players like New York has and Philadelphia sure. is developing, but then you also need to find some good DPs. Absolutely. I mean, New- it's a bounce. New York has a really well-built roster where they have some good Tam players. They have some regular salary players. They have their Academy guys. And then they also have some of their DPs. I mean, BWP has been phenomenal in the CONCACAF Champions League this season. He has been. And then uh, I watched, I watch Kaku play with them and, Honestly, they look deadly when he's on the field.
1: They do look deadly.
0: He, they're there's. I'm scared to play them this year. They're, they're my dark horse to win the MLS Cup as much as it I'm pains gonna, me to say it.
1: I, th- I feel like we're giving too much praise to. I know. Let's cut it. You want fit off your podcast? Let's cut it right here. <laughs> um, no more. We might cut this out of uh, this episode. We'll see. This will be the lost episode. <laughs> I agree with you though. You know, I'm going to call out uh, one of our writers on the site, Noah Barnes, good friend of mine, uh, because. He, each week, he does a top 10 MLS teams in the league uh, based on their performances during the match week. And he left out New York Red Bulls. I, I got to say, they, they do look deadly. And uh, as we now know, you know, they are playing their kids and proving to be a model for a lot of other clubs in MLS. Philadelphia Union close behind, though. Uh, a team who is lagging far behind the rest, uh, the Colorado Rapids, they're upcoming for the Union next week on March 31st. What's uh, what's more to say? Uh, should this be three points for the foot off the Union?
0: Definitely. I think if the Union want to be a team that's a playoff team, then they need to be able to go on the road to bottom feeder teams. I mean, I looked at this week the, uh, the average power ranking across 12 sites in the MLS right now. Philadelphia sits at around 10, which I believe okay. – Puts it so the best, the 10th best team in the league, but the East is better than the West right now. So this puts Philadelphia just in the money for a playoff spot at fifth place right now, which isn't bad. So if we're going to be one of those playoff bubble teams, we need to be able to beat a Colorado Rapids on the road, especially since we tied Portland or because we tied Columbus 1 1 last week. Across uh, 12 different power rankings, Colorado sits at 23rd. So This is unanimously the worst team in the league right now. If this team wants to be good, this is the team you need to beat.
1: Listen, and and we know that, you know, there's a lot of parity in MLS. Anyone can win on any given week. But like you said, I I think on paper, the union really have to go to Colorado. They have to get a result. Um, And that that result needs to be three points because if you're going to make a push for the playoffs at the end of the season – you got to take care of the bottom feeder clubs like Colorado. And and I'm sorry if there are any Colorado fans listening. We're not trying to bash your club, but it is the reality.
0: Mm -hmm. And when you look at this team, this is a team that lost to New England. Sure. So by the transitive property, we should be able to beat this team. Like, not that that's the best barometer for determining whether or not you should beat a team because anybody can beat anybody on any given weekend. But most people don't consider New England a very good team. And if they're losing to New England, then... We should be able to beat them. They're also going to be coming off a game against Kansas City the week prior. which So they're probably more battle-worn than Philadelphia because they had some time in the CONCACAF Champions League. Right. And Philadelphia is going to be coming off a second two-week break in a row, so they don't have as much time to really get some momentum and get time to gel on the field in actual games. That could be the only reason I see this team struggling against Colorado. They come off just a little slow because they hadn't played in two weeks
1: sure and and that was something I also wanted to mention how how much do you think that really plays into it because you know I remember watching the Seattle versus I believe they played FC Dallas last weekend and they look sluggish coming off that Champions League loss to Guadalajara but I, I almost wonder if it's worse to have a week off you know where you're you're not in it you know you're not even really getting any meaningful you know touches on the ball besides in practice playing against the guys you play in. Or, I'm sorry, play against week in, week out. Yeah, that's the thing. Like in, in other
0: sports like, say, football, a bye week is huge. It gives you so much sure. more time to prepare for that other team. But in a sport like soccer, I feel like it's not the same advantage, and it only makes your team a bit more sluggish just because you're not consistently playing minutes. Some teams have been playing week in, week out for three weeks now, where Philadelphia has only had two matches in three weeks, and they're going to have another week break after that i worry it'll slow us down
1: we'll see that one is of course next week next saturday i believe march 31st it's gonna be the final game of march only three games yeah
0: this will actually be though their first road match and if i'm not mistaken if they can get a point in this game i believe it'll be the first time the union have gotten points in all three of their first three matches
1: which is massive so Uh, it's going to be huge going forward it would
0: be a really good start for them I mean if they can get a win here they'd find themselves at seven points in the first three weeks which or first three games which I'd be happy about we're also like we're going to be sitting towards the middle of the table for a while now just because a lot of teams have two games at hand but we're probably going to be in a good place and I think this I like the roster on this team I think this team has potential to maybe not make a dent in MLS, but hold its own and be better than just mediocre.
1: That sounds like you last weekend, John. Tea time, right? Oh, yeah. I killed the tea off. <laughs> we won't get into into that, but that's an inside joke. To end this first episode of the 2018 We the People podcast, again, presented by Union Fan TV, sponsored by Slade of Hand Barbers, uh, mention this podcast the next time you go to Slate of Hand Barbers located in Scenic Prospect Park. Uh, And you'll get $5 off your next service, Dave House, to end the podcast. Take care.